The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. This is Jim Shapiro sitting in for Vena Jones-Cox today. Vena is traveling, uh, teaching real estate uh, somewhere in the country. I'm not even sure where she is today. Uh, today, uh, I'm filling in, and we've got a very interesting guest today, a gentleman named Bill Twyford. Bill is going to talk about neuro-linguistic processing, or NLP. NLP is a fascinating science of communication and about how our brains work and how to, and I'm, I'm excited to introduce Bill and uh, let Bill kind of give us an overview of this interesting uh, interesting topic. Bill, are you there? Yes, I am. How you doing? Hi, Bill. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Thanks, Jim. Um, you know, let me start with a couple easy questions and then we'll get really into NLP. But first, why don't you tell us, you know, how you got started in real estate and what your focus is? Well, I got to tell you, I got started in real estate really in the mid-80s. I bought a couple rentals and stuff in Texas, and then uh, I was a painting and sandblasting contractor back in uh, the 80s. I worked for my father, started my own business at 23, and then um, had some health issues in 92, 1992, and couldn't pass a respirator test, so I was told I need to get out of the painting business and get into it, any, you know, doing something else, something that's a little bit cleaner, breathing air for me instead of uh, all these paint fumes, I guess. So uh, I, I moved my family up to Colorado from Houston, Texas in 1994 and started uh, there. I kind of semi-retired for a couple months and was kind of climbing the walls looking for something to do and got into the real estate business. I was um, talking to a real estate agent. I was looking to buy some land. And now this is back in the day, 1994, before we really had anything on the internet, anything like that. And it was just funny because he handed me an MLS book. And Jim, you've been in the business a while. You probably remember those MLS books. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He handed me a book. He says, hey, the land's in the back. He goes, and if you need uh, to see anything, let me know. I'll take it out and show it to you. And I thought, wow, this is a pretty easy job. So, you know, I've been in the construction field my whole life. And that gets to be a little bit... uh, hard, hot, you know, working out in the sun all the time. And I see this cushy job, this real estate agent sitting there with his feet up on his desk watching TV. And I thought, (laughs) I asked him, I said, is this what you do all day long? He says, yeah, kind of just sit here and wait for people to come in the door and, you know, see what they're looking for. And I said, well, how many houses a year do you sell? He says, ah, between 10 and 12. I said, all right. I said, that's about one a month. So I said, how much you make per house? He said, oh, five, six thousand bucks. 
Man, this guy's making six thousand dollars or sixty thousand bucks a year just sitting here watching Fred Flintstone in the middle of a week. And I thought, gosh, how easy is that? So I said to him at the time, I said, Well, what would happen if you sold a hundred homes a year? Because I'm thinking, gosh, look at the money you'd make. He said, Oh no, you don't want to do that. He said, That's too much work. <laughs> and I at that point I thought, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to sell real estate. So I got in the, in the business as a real estate agent, got my license, excuse me, got my license and uh, went out my first year, I sold 79 homes. In my second year, I sold 123. The next year, I sold 178 and then 194. So I sold 574 homes in four years of being an agent. And then in 1998, I switched over and started working with people in foreclosure. Now, I got to tell you, it's really funny. My, my mentor has been Mike Ferry for about 20 years now. And he always told me, he said, you need to learn your scripts. You need to learn this neurolinguistic programming. You need to learn how to get your customer to say yes. Well, think about this for a second. I'm new in the business, <clears throat> closed 79 deals my first year, 123 my second year. So when you start really looking at that, you think, wow, you know, you're making a lot of money. And I was, and I'm closing a lot of transactions. So when I have my mentor tell me, oh yeah, you need to go ahead and learn this now and you need to do this, you know, I'm making good money. I'm thinking, gosh, you know what? I, I, I think I'm okay. So I'm just like a lot of people that are listening right now thinking, no, I'm okay. I'm doing good. You know, I, I, I know how to communicate with people. I'm telling you, you can always learn something. So Mike kept beating it in my head. You need to learn neurolinguistic programming. You've got to learn this. And he said, I'll tell you what, if you have blind faith and learn this and do as I tell you, you'll talk to less people and you'll close more deals next year. So I said, all right, I'm going to do it. So I took the time to sit down. I learned it, wrote my sentences, did everything I had to do to learn it. And the next year I went from 123 deals to 178, my third year in the business. So I closed 55 more deals and I talked to 25% less people because I track all my numbers. So from then on, I was a believer. I thought, you know what? I closed more deals in less time talking to less people and I made more money. Mm -hmm. So I have been a huge believer from that day forward. And that's how I, you know, and that's what I do is I, I teach people all over the country and in Canada, neurolinguistic programming, application-based. Because my, the people that I talk to, they really want to, I mean, they really don't care why it works. They just want to know what to say, how to say it, and how to get their customer or their spouse or the kids or their kids to say yes. So, I mean, think about that for a second, Jim. You know, wouldn't it be great if your kids always said, yeah, you know what, Dad, you're right, let's do that. Or your spouse says, yeah, you're right, let's do that. Or your customer says, yes, you know what, I feel you're the person I need to work with. I mean, think about that. Well, those are all exciting prospects. <laughs> uh, okay, so you've, you've talked about what you've done with NLP. What is NLP? Well, NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming. And neurolinguistic programming is basically going in, 
and using assumptive language patterns and reprogramming people's reality into believing what you want them to believe is the reality. Now, the thing is, is you have two different things here. You, you remember, you have motivate or you have manipulation and persuasion. <clears throat> there's a big difference between manipulation and persuasion, but there's a fine line. Mm-hmm. See, manipulation is all about what I want. So you've got to remember, if you're talking to a homeowner in distress, you have to lead them down the path that they feel is comfortable for them that they want to go down. Now, I can lead a homeowner down the path that I know they need to go down and let them believe it's their idea by building them into that reality. And I do that all the time. But the thing is, the difference between manipulation, it's all about what I want and what's best for me, the investor. Now, the other side of the coin is persuasion. And that's where we spend all of our time is on the persuasion time, not the manipulation time. We want to persuade people into doing what we know is best for the homeowner. We always tell our students all the time, always do what's best for the homeowner, whether you make any money or not. Do not manipulate them into doing what they don't want to do. Persuade them into doing what is best for them. It might not be what's best for me but it's best for your homeowner or it's best for the other person in the conversation, your customer, your kids. You have to always put other people first in communication. You have to see their side of the coin. You have to see your side. We, we've said this many times, and I know you've heard this before. You know, you can't judge me unless you've been in my shoes. So in communication, you have three positions. You have the first position, which is your position in the conversation. You have your position. Now, your position is you talking. It's your opinion. It's your reality. The person you're talking to, let's just say it's Bob the homeowner. Well, Bob the homeowner is in the second position. Bob the homeowner has his side of his reality, what he wants to do with his house or he wants to do with his situation. What you have to do is persuade Bob into doing really what's best for him, but let him believe it's his idea. Then the third position is the position of somebody that has no emotional uh, emotional connection to the conversation. It's like a fly on a wall. They're sitting there, just they hear the first position, they hear the second position. And they go, you know, I can see the points that Bill's making in the first position. I can see the points that Bob's making in the second position. Me being in the third position, not caring what happens in either position, here's where the fair line is. Here's what they should do. And when you take a third position view in communication in every conversation, when you take yourself out of the first position, put yourself in the third position, you'll make better wiser decisions but it's very hard to do most people don't want to do that because they want to stay in what they want they want to be in their position does that make sense jim well it does i know i've had some experience with nlp and part of it was it was a different purpose and it was about getting people unstuck and not because we do get stuck in patterns and when you're stuck in a pattern you only see one way out 
So, I, you know, the, the idea, the difference between manipulating and uh, what was the other word you used? Persuasion. Uh, persuading Persuasion. is really the yeah. key because this can be a manipulative technology or technique, and it's about doing the right thing for people. Well, let me – so let's talk a little it bit is. more about what are the key elements of NLP? How do you actually well, you use know, it when you're working with a, a seller, a homeowner? You know, I always say, and and they're just they're basic principles. It's not like some magic wand that comes over people and they just keep saying yes to you all the time. I mean, you can put people in a hypnotic state. I don't do that kind of stuff. All I do is build agreement with them because you got to remember, everybody you come in contact with. In the real estate business, when you're out door knocking or you're making phone calls to distressed homeowners, now think about this. Take position two. You're a distressed homeowner. You're getting postcards in the mail every day. You're behind in your payments. You've got, you've got the creditors calling you all the time. You've got people showing up and dropping off documents and papers at your door from the sheriff's department or from the public trustee's office or from the attorney's office. And you've got to put yourself in that mindset when you're having these conversations with homeowners so you can feel how you would feel in that situation. So there's no real basic magic wand type of a manipulation or persuasion type of thing. You just have to remember your customers are always a yes, meaning that every one of your customers that are distressed and behind in payments on their house that you're going to go talk to, are people that did not plan to put themselves in this situation. So when I say that your customers are always a yes, they are people that want out of their situation. Now, here's the key. Are you turning them into a no? Because when you go to the door or you make a phone call to those homeowners, you have to remember you're qualifying them, they're qualifying you. They want to know what you're calling about, or they want to know why you're at their front door. So you have to come across very nice. You've got to mirror their, their body language, mirror their tonalities, mirror their rate of speech. You've got to pick up on that kind of stuff because there's a lot of things in communication. You have body language, you have tonalities, and you have words. So... We talk about the words all the time. Now, remember, words are only 7%. Words are only 7% in communication. But I tell people all the time, listen, you have to learn what to say. So when it, you go up to the door or you're face-to-face -face with your homeowner, you have a script. You don't have to think about what to say. The, the minute you don't have to think about what to say... Now you can focus on everything that's really important in communication, which is their body language, their tonalities, their rate of speech. Because body language is 55% of communication. Tonalities are 38%. So between them, that's 93% of the communication. If you're going up to the door, Jim, and you don't know what to say, you're dead in the water. You're dead on arrival because most of the time, you're not going to be able to pick up on the 93% of communication. How, are the, how is your customer handling what you're saying? 
are you establishing value at the door? Because that's what it's about. If you're going out door knocking and talking to homeowners that are behind in payments or in foreclosure, you got to remember, nine out of ten don't want to sell their home. So if you're going to the door with a script like, hey, how you doing? My name is Bill. I'm a real estate investor. I see you're behind on your payments, and I want to talk to you about buying your home. You're going to get the door shut on your face nine out of ten times. People don't want to sell their home. So, like I said earlier in our conversation here on our interview on our interview today, I said you have to take the homeowners down the path they want to go. So if I know that the numbers are nine out of ten people don't want to sell their home, I'm not going to go to the door and talk to them about selling their home or buying their home. I'm going to talk to them about what they want to talk about. And I use a script like this. Let's just say it's somebody that's in foreclosure and we're going to the door. I say to them, Jim, hi, Bill, or hi, hi, Jim, my name is Bill. I was at the courthouse the other day. I noticed your lender publicly posted your home for sale. I specialize in helping homeowners buy time to stay in their home. What I'd like to do is give you this free information packet with your 10 options on it, what you can on what you can do to buy time to stay in your home. So let me ask you this. What are you doing right now with your mortgage company? See, and what that does is it lowers down their guard. I called you, Jim, when I saw you. NLP, remember, great salespeople assume everything. Now, I just said a bunch of stuff there that went over probably 90% of the people's head, but I'm going to break it down right now, okay? Uh, when I first came to the door, I said, hi, Jim, how you doing? My name is Bill. I was at the courthouse the other day. Now, in, in like I said, great salespeople assume everything. I'm looking for Jim Shapiro. I'm not going to go to the door. You're going to answer it, and I'm going to say, hi, I'm looking for Jim. Because most people, you're going to, you don't know who I am. You see me stand there holding paperwork, and you may say, oh, well, Jim's not here. Can I help you? See, so what I do is I assume the person that answers the door is the person I'm looking for. So when you answer the door, I go, hey, Jim, how you doing? My name is Bill. What that does now is it triggers in your mind that this guy knows who I am. And in your mind, you're thinking real quick. You don't know you're thinking this, but it throws you off because you're thinking, how do I know this guy? How does he know me? He obviously knows me. Where have I seen him from? What is he doing at my house, and what does he want? All that goes through your mind in the first three to five seconds because I just assume you are Jim. So I say, hey, Jim, how you doing? My name is Bill. I was at the courthouse the other day. I noticed that your lender has publicly posted your home for sale. Now, what I did was I told you I went to the courthouse, and I told you that your lender, the bad guy, has publicly posted your home for sale, which means that it's public notice that you're behind in payments. We specialize, Jim, we specialize in helping homeowners buy time to stay in their home. Now, to buy time to stay in their home, that's what homeowners want. Homeowners want time 
and they want money. They want time, and they want money. They also want options. So I'm standing at the door giving them two out of the three things they want. I'm talking to them about what they can do to buy time. I'm talking to them, and I'm giving them options on what they can do to buy time. Every single person I door knock always takes my packet. It's a 41-page packet detailing exactly their 10 options and what they can do to buy time to stay in their home. Because remember, for every month those homeowners stay there, they save themselves a month's worth of rent. Now, I know it's a numbers game. I know about 75 to 80% of people that are behind in payments are eventually going to lose their home, even if they go through a modification program, because most of the time they don't get through the whole modification. I get that. So it's a, it's a numbers game for me. So when I'm at the door, that's how I handle myself. So there's no, you know, and, and, and I have to put myself, Jim, in a position to really talk to the homeowners and take them down the path they want to go. Now, if, if you said to me, nah, you know, I, I know, you know, I'm not doing anything with the mortgage company right now. I tried to do a modification and I couldn't get anything done. So, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to just get rid of it. I'm just going to let it go back. Well, you know, we also buy homes, Jim. Now, you know what? Working with me is going to cause you to get some cash. Let me show you what we can do to get you some cash out of this thing, okay? Now, what I just said there, working with me is going to cause you to get some cash, cause and effect. Working with me is going to get you some cash. Let me show you what I can do to get you some cash instead of just letting the home go back. Doesn't that make sense? You see what I'm doing is I'm getting you to agree and say yes to this. Okay. Uh, That, that sounds brilliant. And I'm, I think we have to take a quick break here. So we're going to come back and I want to, I know you're, you're talking about patterns and, and, and embedded commands. There's a couple other factors that go into this, so we're going to ask a little more questions about that, and you're giving us some great examples. So before we break, let me just say uh, Real Life Real Estate Investing is sponsored by the Real Estate Investor Association of Greater Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investor Association. Uh, RIA of Greater Cincinnati, we've been around for 40 years. We meet first and third Thursday of the month. Uh, with all sorts of topics about real estate investing. Next week, uh, July 16th, we've got two interesting topics. Our first uh, initial session is talking about introduction to ugly homes, wholesaling and retailing, uh, options for quick cash or options for flipping houses. The the second section, we're going to talk about uh, some issues going on in the state of Ohio right now on the whole subject of wholesaling. And the Division of Real Estate has uh, expressed some views on that that have been challenging and we're challenging them. So if you're interested in learning more about these topics, please come to Cincinnati RIA. You can go to CincinnatiRIA.com. Also, if you're interested in calling in with questions, uh, please call us at uh, locally, 513-772-9658, or outside the Cincinnati area, uh, 1-877-772-9658. And you can uh, send email questions to askvina at gmail.com. We'll be back in a minute. Hello. I'm Jim Shapiro, and welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Tonight I'm speaking with Bill Twyford, a real estate investor and expert on negotiation 
Uh, Bill will be presenting a one-day, an all-day seminar on the topic that we're talking about tonight, uh, NLP, at the 2015 Ohio Real Estate Investor Association National Real Estate Summit, being held in Cincinnati on November 5th through the 8th. Uh, you can go to orea.com and uh, find information about that. Uh, you'll learn more about that and how you can attend in the coming weeks on Real Life Real Estate Investing. But mark your calendar now, November 5th to the 8th. Bill, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to have uh, Thank you for having me on, James. It's our pleasure. Uh, now, you've talked about that you use scripts and that you have NLP in your scripts, that when you're talking to the homeowners, you, you're, you're using this technique. Are there magic phrases, or I know there's a term called embedded commands? What do those mean, and how do you build that into your script? And you've given us some examples. Maybe you could explain that a little further. Sure. Well, embedded commands are one to four word groups. They're one to four word groups that order your customers to do something. And what they do, basically, they're just small little phrases. We use them all the time. I mean, when when you go on TV and you watch infomercials, they use one to four word phrases all the time. So it gets your customer to take action is what it does. So when you really listen to these, they're one to, you know, they're one to four word phrases is what they are. And you have to bombard your customer with these. You have to use three or four embedded commands a minute to have total control over what they say, how they act, and what they do. Now think about this for a second. Let me give you let me give you some examples of some some embedded commands. Convince yourself. See, that's a one to four word phrase that tells your customer to do something. Convince yourself. Here's another one. Get excited. Here's another one. Trust your feelings. Decide now. Feel compelled. Make the decision. Sign the contract. Work with me. Accept this offer. You like me. Do as I say. Trust me. Now, think about that last one. Trust me. When you hear people say, trust me, immediately your conscious mind says, hold on a second. Let's reference trust me. What does that mean when somebody says trust me? And you go back to when you were a kid in your subconscious mind, and it pulls your conscious mind says it says basically this: Hey, subconscious, tell me what trust me means when somebody says trust me. And what happens? You hear the voice of your parents saying, "Don't trust people that say trust me. Don't take candy from strangers. Don't get into strangers' cars." And you start thinking, oh, trust me, that's a red flag. I don't want to trust that person. So when we're using an embedded command like trust me, we have to camouflage it. We have to use what we call a noun substitute. A noun substitute is using somebody's name at the beginning or the end of the embedded command. And what that does is it personalizes it. And I will do it like this. I will say, Jim, you need to trust me. Most people do. Let's go ahead and get you out of this situation, okay? What you really need to do is make the decision right now so we can help you move forward with this. Let's go ahead and do that now, okay? See, now I just made all that up. I couldn't say that back if I wanted to. 
But see, here's the thing. I threw in probably six or seven embedded commands in that sentence or in those couple of sentences. And what homeowners do is it makes homeowners feel compelled to say, yeah, I mean, because I may say something like this to you, Jim. I may say, well, Jim, obviously you want to get out of your situation, don't you? And you're going to say yes. Working with me is going to cause that to happen. May I explain? So what I just did is I said, obviously, Jim, you want to get out of your situation, don't you? Now, I didn't ask you. I told you. I did what we call an amping and stamping with an assumptive tag phrase at the end when I said, don't you? I downswung on it. I made it sound like a statement versus a question. Now, just listen to that a second. I'm going to ask you this, and then I'm going to tell you the same thing. Obviously, you want to get out of your situation, don't you? See, I just asked you if you want to get out of your situation. And you could say, you're probably going to say yes to that, even if I say, don't you? But when I say to you, Obviously, Jim, you want to get in your situation, don't you? I'm nodding my head up and down. You're nodding your head up and down. And it's hard to nod your head up and down and say no. Okay, so you call that an assumptive. That was an assumptive statement? Assumptive tag phrase. Assumptive tag phrase. It's an assumptive tag phrase. So I have an embedded command in there. I mean, obviously, you want to get out of your situation, don't you? Obviously, Jim, you want to get out of your situation, don't you? See? Get out of your situation, don't you? Okay? And I use Jim in there as a noun substitute. And what Jim just did, and it's so easy to teach this when you can visually see it and it's on a board and we're writing the sentence out. Because we can cross this out, we can add this, we can strengthen it, we can weaken it, we can upswing, we can downswing, we can ask a question, we can make a statement, we can do all this stuff with one little sentence. It's all your body language and tonalities, the word's only 7%. So we can move this stuff all around. So when, when I say, obviously, Jim, you want to get out of your situation, don't you? You're going to feel compelled to say yes to that. You're going to feel compelled to say yes to that because, because I'm nodding my head up and down. And I know you want to get out of your situation because that's not part of your plan to be behind in payments. That wasn't what you, that, that wasn't what you dreamed about when you were 20 years old. I can't wait till I'm 25, buy a house, and by 26, be in foreclosure. That's not part of your plan. So I'm saying statements to people to, to start building in the yeses right off the bat. Obviously, Jim, you want to get out of your situation, don't you? Yes, I do, Bill. Great. Working with me is going to cause that to happen. May I explain? And you're saying yes, because I'm nodding my head. So what I just do, I just built two yeses in that conversation. Remember, it's easier to get people to agree with you. It's easier to get people to agree with you when you agree with them first. So it's easier to get people to agree with you when you agree with them first. So I'm always building agreement and establishing value at the door, talking to homeowners about 
what they really don't know are their options. And what you find out is when you start talking to homeowners and giving them all of these options, they start thinking, wow, this person is a wealth of information. I want to have a conversation with them. So you start using these embedded commands in, you know, in all of your language, no matter where you're at, you just start using these and putting these out here because you'll start seeing people taking action. Now, when you watch commercials at night, infomercials, you'll see those and they'll say, lose weight now, take action, get your credit card ready. See, all of that stuff they use all the time. Write this down. They use these one to four word groups all the time. Why do they do that on those infomercials? Because it works. Because it works. See, and that's the thing. When you're talking to your customers, you you know, you can say something like this. Let me just put something out there. I can't tell you what to do. I mean, you have to convince yourself, Jim, to take action and get the ball rolling. Now, let me say that again. I can't tell you what to do. I mean, you have to convince yourself, Jim, to take action and get the ball rolling. Now, let me add to this, okay? Let me add to that, because all that is is a statement. I'm just saying, convince yourself, Jim, you need to take action and get the ball rolling, okay? So that's two embedded commands. Convince yourself, take action. You only have to use three or four embedded commands a minute to have total control of what they say, how they act, and what they do. So let me add to this sentence, and I'm just going to make this stuff up. I'm going to try to remember what I just said, and I'm just going to throw some other stuff on it. But remember, at the end it says, and get the ball rolling. After get the ball rolling, I'm going to throw in more stuff, okay, because I'm going to try to build more agreement, and I'm going to use more embedded commands and some cause and effect language. So I'm just going to make all this up. I can't tell you what to do. I mean, you have to convince yourself, Jim to take action and get the ball rolling. Obviously, you want to get in your situation, don't you? Working with me is going to cause that to happen. May I explain? You see what I'm doing there? I'm building the conversation. Now I'm going to change it up again. I can't tell you what to do. I mean, you have to convince yourself, Jim, to take action and get the ball rolling. I mean, Jim, what you really need to do here you need to trust your feelings and really do what you think is best for your family. I mean, you told me just a minute ago that you really want to get out of your situation, didn't you? Yes, you did. See, I'm building an agreement there. Working with me is going to cause that to happen. Let's go ahead, get you some cash, and get you out of this situation. I mean, ultimately, that's what you want, isn't it? You see what I'm doing there? You're building a whole series of, of, of connected <laughs> statements, leading them really what – and I think what's key here is you're trying to lead them, or you're not trying. You're, you're leading them someplace good for them. And That's right. Get, leading them where other people may have ran, run into the roadblocks because they started out with, hi, are you Jim? And they got to, no, he's not here. Or – you know, they, they kind of put them back, and you, you brought them, if I see what you're doing, you're bringing them along 
and and they're agreeing to things that are obviously good for them. They don't want to be foreclosed. They don't want to lose their home. They want to get money. They want to stay in there as long as they can. So it's a, and with that, uh, what I really need to do right now is take another quick break. Uh, we'll All be right. A couple of minutes. I want to ask you about some of the responses you get and how you use this in other kinds of situations. So before we do that, let me again uh, remind everybody, if you have questions, we welcome your calls uh, at 513-772-9658 or 877-772-9658 outside the Cincinnati area. And you have still time to email at askvina at gmail.com. We'll be back in a minute. And welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Uh, I'm back here speaking with Bill Twyford, a real estate investor and negotiation expert. And Bill will be in Cincinnati at the OREA National Real Estate Summit on November 5th to 8th. So there's a, a, a full, an all-day workshop on the very things that Bill's talking about. And it's a, it's a powerful tool. So I encourage everyone to... Uh, be looking for that. Uh, there'll be more information in upcoming weeks on the show. Uh, Bill, I know you want to get through a few topics before we wrap up. We've got about 10 minutes to go. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions now, and we can cover them in the next few minutes. One okay. is, how do homeowners respond when when you're using these this this language with them? Do they, do they even notice it? Can you use it in things besides, you know, in any kind of business or personal relationships? And finally, how hard is it to learn? So let's uh, let's go from there. Okay, that sounds good. Well, I'll tell you, when you're dealing with homeowners and stuff, you have such an unfair advantage. Remember earlier in the call, we talked about manipulation and persuasion. It's very easy to manipulate homeowners into doing what you want them to do, and that's not the right thing to do. You have to persuade them and take them down the path that they want to go. So when you're taking them down the path that they want to go, your communication will be better with them. It's not hard to learn this, but i got to tell you what. Going in and using it on homeowners, using it on your customer, 97% of people have no idea that you're even using this. Now, are you going to find the one or two people once in a while that that really pick up on your language patterns? Yeah, you will. But you know what? That's what makes it fun. But the other times, people, you build agreement with them, they start talking, they start listening, they start just agreeing, and they're like, you know what? I've had so many people, and i got to tell you, Jim, this is honest-to-God truth. So many people have said to me at the door, they've said, you know what, you're exactly the kind of person I've been looking for. And you know what, I stand there with students, because I go out and do a lot of training with students out on the street, and I take students out door knocking. And it's so funny, because when we go back to the car, they go, man, I can't believe you just met that homeowner. And they said, you're the person that well, they want to work with. You're the person. You, they've been waiting for somebody like you. And you're such a breath of fresh air, they say. You're your godsend, all that kind of stuff. And it's funny because the students look at this and go, gosh, they, they don't even hear what you're doing to them. And I said, no. But I said, here's the ultimate goal here. 
is to really want to do best for the homeowner and to take that homeowner where they need to go. They don't know what they don't know yet. The homeowners don't. They don't realize how the process is going to go down, how they're going to lose their home. They just think, you know, I need somebody that's assertive, somebody that knows what to do and knows how to handle the situation. And, boy, I feel comfortable with this guy. Remember, we also talked about your customers are always a yes. Are you turning them into a no? Now, your customer wants out of their situation. And if you go up to the door and say, hey, how are you doing? You know, I see you're behind in payments. I want to talk to you about uh, buying your home. And immediately, in their mind, they go, nope, not with you, and they shut the door. Because when they come to the door, they're thinking, I'm hoping this is somebody that can help me out of my situation. And you, they open the door, and you say that, they close the door on you because they want somebody to help them. So they don't realize that you're doing that. They have no idea that you're using NLP on them. They just feel comfortable talking to you. They feel comfortable. They, they feel they can trust you. They, it, just, it just works that way. And one of the other questions you said, how can you use it and can you use this in other businesses? You can use it in any business. You can use it in dating. You can use it in talking to your kids. You can use it with your spouse. You can use it on everybody. So, you know, it's just different scripts. It's just different conversations. It's, diff- it's just different ways that you ask things. It's just different ways that you ask things. You know, if you want to take your, your spouse out to eat some night, you don't say, hey, do you want to go out to eat tomorrow night? Just say to them, hey, what time tomorrow night would you like to go eat? Would you like to go out at 5 or do you want to go at 6? Well, I didn't know we were going to go out to eat. Oh, yeah, no. I'd like to take you out to eat. Do you want to go at 5 or 6? What works best for you? Well, 6. Great. Do you want to go to Outback Steakhouse or do you want to go to Longhorn Steakhouse? What do you want to go to? Well, I was thinking about sushi. Okay, that sounds great. We'll go to sushi. No, see, I didn't ask if they wanted to go out to eat. I kind of told them we were going out to eat. See, remember, great salespeople assume everything. Same thing in any business. You have to, and I got to tell you, my daughter Chris is really good at this. Now, Chris works for the Marriott. She worked with them for about four and a half months in Denver because she's kind of a corporate girl. She doesn't really want to get in the real estate thing. She's bought and sold a few houses. But she really, really likes corporate world. So she goes in and gets this job, and within three months, they move her up to the Ritz-Carlton. Now, she's working at the Ritz-Carlton in Denver, and she's working her way right up the list. And it's so funny. They, she gets so many different letters that say, wow, Chris is such a great person. She's so good with people. She's so good with her communication skills. And she'll call me up and say, Dad, I've got a, um, a training to go to. And, boy, this training's all about how to treat people and how to take care of people and stuff like that. She goes, it's all the stuff that you teach. She goes, it's really good stuff. And it's funny, I know all of this stuff. And it takes a lot of people a long time to get into a big-time Ritz-Carlton job, and a lot of them never even make it there. She made it there in less than four months, and now they just think she's a treasure, which she is. But you know what? It's all her communication skills. It's all, you know, personality skills, learning how to deal with situations and make people feel comfortable So every time they have somebody that's uncomfortable, Chris ends up getting them, and the people leave there thinking that it's the greatest place in the world. 
So you can use this in any other business. And then your third question was, how long does it take somebody to learn this? How long? Well, it's like learning another language. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really not something you're going to take five years to learn. It's something you can actually start to master in 30 to 90 days. Between 30 and 90 days, you can, you know, I have a three-day workshop that I train, that I teach every couple of years. I, you know, put two, 300 people together and, and do a, uh, a three-day NLP workshop. And I got to tell you what, it is just training for three days with me. And what you do is you write sentences for three days. I give you some embedded commands. I'll tell you on day one, okay, give me a sentence talking to your spouse with two embedded commands in it. And people will write that. And I'll give them two or three minutes to write a sentence. They'll stand up and they'll read what the sentence is. And then what we'll do, I'll say, okay, now give me a sentence talking to a homeowner behind in payments that has two embedded commands and an assumptive tag phrase. So they start writing that sentence. I teach them all about assumptive tag phrases and what they are and how you use them. And they learn all of that. And then we build. It's like mathematics. You, you learn how to add. Then you learn how to subtract. And then you learn how to divide and multiply. And then you learn algebra. You work your way through it. So on day three, I tell you, give me a little paragraph that has six embedded commands, three assumptive tag phrases, an awareness presupposition, three adverb presuppositions, using two noun substitutes, using cause and effect language, throw in a bind, and then end it with a double bind. And they go, okay. And they start writing this. And then what they look at what they did on day three versus what they did on day one, they see such a change just mm-hmm. in three days by looking at this and going, they, they, you know, they're in day three now. They look so back to let, day let one me ask you a question, think, Bill. Yeah. And I, and I hate to cut you off. Uh, And we've got about a minute to wrap up here, uh, a little less even. Uh, These are the things that if people want to learn more about this, you're going to be teaching this at the one-day workshop in November? Yes, I am, and I'll tell you why. What they learn at that one-day workshop, they'll look at what they learned in the morning versus what they know at the end of the day, and they're thinking, they're going to think, how did I ever do business without this? I promise you that's what they're going to say. Well, this sounds like a great opportunity for people. I, I, I know we'd like to keep going, but we could talk for another hour, and I, I have to, the, the, the show is time running out. Uh, let me That's wrap right. up by saying, Bill, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you in November. Uh, I, I'll be there. And I invite everyone to uh, you know come to a Real Life Real Estate, come, listen next week, come to the Real Estate Investor Association, and be looking in your calendar for the November 5th to 8th and a great opportunity to get this training that Bill's been talking about. Bill, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.